I want to welcome you once again to Providence Road. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and we are really glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, we're going to con- uh, we're going to stop um, going through John once again. T- last week we um, paused for um, kind of a separate standalone sermon. That's going to be the same thing today, and then next week we're going to jump into Advent. So we're going to have an extended break from the Book of John, which we've been going through for the last. Uh, really, we started at the beginning of. 2020 or 2022, and we are taking some breaks um, as we've gone through that, but we're going to take a break until early next year in the book of John. Last week, just as a reminder, um, we looked at um, God's heart for, for vulnerable children and vulnerable families. If you weren't here, um, go back and listen to that sermon. I highly encourage you to do that. Check out the blog post. Um, it was really impactful, and it was really set some vision in those areas for how we're going to engage those issues moving forward as a church. So really, really important sermon from last week. This morning, we're going to talk about biblical generosity or biblical giving. Um, This is something that um, every so often we try to talk about and speak on as the church. It's been about a year and a half since we have um, talked about what the Bible has to say about giving, what the Bible has to say about money. So let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in. Father, we're so thankful for this time. We're thankful um, for your grace and your mercy in our lives. I pray now as we look at your word and look at different parts of your word this morning, I just ask that you would change us, that you would help us um, look at the word and read the word and, and really try to understand the word as it's your very word. So we believe this is your revelation to us, and it's powerful. I pray that your spirit this morning would challenge us, would comfort us where we need to be comforted, and will help us, would help us grow as a result of spending time in your word. And we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Jesus in the Gospels, talks about uh, money or giving relentlessly, more than any other subject than himself. Um, and, and, and when Jesus talks about money, he's actually not after your money. He's not after my money. God is not after our money when he talks about that in Scripture. He's actually after our discipleship. He's after our formation. And he knows how important that um, money is in our lives and how, how much that affects us in the day-to-day living. Um, therefore, as a church, and a church is trying to follow the God and the scriptures, right, we are not after your money primarily. We want to see you discipled. We want, you to, see, we want to see you grow up in your faith. We want to see you formed into Jesus' image. And we're talking about it today because Jesus talked about it a lot. And so we are going to talk about it as well. Now, with a topic like this, I for sure want to, 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 to say that if you are a guest with us, if you're a non-Christian, maybe you're in church for the first time in a while, we are really, really glad that you're here with us this morning, um, even as we're talking about this. And we're not asking for your money this morning. We're not asking you to give this morning if that describes you, okay? Hopefully, you'll get to understand more about what God says about money in the word, the, his word, and money is such a big deal in our culture. 
This morning, you all came here. It cost money for you to come to this building this morning. Whether that was gas in your car, whether that was tread on your bicycle tires, or tread on the bottom of your shoes, right? Like, no matter where we go, we're affected by money. Most things cost something. Most things wear out if we use them over and over, and we have to buy new things. And, as, as, and I'm, I'm hoping that you would want to know what God says about um, money in his word. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Now, I picked out a few quotes here because I, I do think money is a, is a big deal. And, and, it, and it affects us in a lot of different ways. It's P.T. Barnum from Barnum and Bailey Circus. Money is a terrible master, but an excellent servant. The real measure of your wealth is how much you'd be worth if you lost all your money. Will Rogers, fellow Oki, too many people spend money they earn to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. Pretty wise. Old Yogi here. A nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. From a baseball fan, you just go chew on that a little bit. Chew on Yogi's quote for the rest of the day there. See if you can figure that out. Steve Martin, the comedian. I love money. I love everything about it. I bought some pretty good stuff. I got me a $300 pair of socks. Got a fur sink, an electric dog polisher, a gasoline-powered turtleneck sweater, and of course, I bought some dumb stuff too. So when it comes to money in the Bible, I think there's a lot of confusion on what the Bible actually says about money, what the Bible actually says about giving. And ultimately, the, the, the goal of today, kind of the thesis, is that Jesus wants us to treasure him more than our money. Really more than anything, obviously, but especially more than the money. And he actually has a teaching on this because he knows how much money can rival him as Lord in our lives. And if we make if we put Jesus before money, if he is our treasure, it will lead to us being a generous people. And that's really the action step of today is to be, to be generous and to be more generous. But the only way that happens is not a guilt trip, not manipulation. It's truly being changed from the inside out. And the love that which Jesus has shown us in the gospel, it overflows out of us to us being generous People. So with that as kind of the, the goal and the foundation, let's jump into the scriptures to really see what God says about giving. And to, to begin this, we have to start at the beginning in Genesis 1. Listen to what God says about what he's given us. Genesis 1, 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The first humans, right? Our, our ancestors, as the first humans that God ever made, he told them, he gave them some things to do, right? He said, I've created everything, and I'm going to give you all of this stuff to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue the other parts of creation, to have dominion over creation. We didn't create creation. We didn't create all the stuff that we have. It's God's, and he's given it to us to steward, to be good stewards of. Everything is his. If you remember in the biblical narrative, God's people come out of Egypt. God rescues them from the, the, the oppressive hand of Pharaoh. They get across the Red Sea. It parts. They go through. When it's dry, it comes back together, wipes out um, Pharaoh's army, and then they're in the wilderness, the wilderness of Sinai. 
and they're, they're going to be wandering for a while, right? But they're free. They're free, and God wants to give them some, some rules. The scripture calls that the law, right? He wants to give them some structure so they, they can become a people. They can become God's people. He has to show them the way to live. And a part of this is what to do with their wealth, what to do with their money. So God is giving these instructions through a man named Moses. And in Deuteronomy 10, 14, as a part of this larger teaching, um, Moses says this. God says this through Moses. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in and with all that is in in it, right? So heaven of heavens, like you can't get any more. It's saying everything's God's. Everything is God's. And then in Psalm 89:11, the heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and that all that is in it, you have founded them. So everything we have is from God. Everything anybody has is from God. And we are stewards of everything he has given us. So with that in mind, let's move a little bit deeper into what does God specifically say about money. And here's where we're going to see the, the, um, the word tithe come up. And literally, tithe means a tenth or a tenth part of something. At the beginning of the harvest, before anything was kept, a person was to take the livestock, grain, crops, and 10% of it was to be set aside to give to God. This is command was a part of the Jewish law, part of this context that, that we're reading in Deuteronomy kind of gives the Israelites that direction. And God did this, again, not because he needed stuff from the Israelites. He did this because he wanted them to have faith. He wanted to build up their faith because there was some risk involved in giving God this 10% this first, not knowing what was going to happen after that. There was a risk, but it was building their faith. It was building their trust in God. And God was basically wanted to teach them that when you give, you're going to be rewarded with a greater faith, greater trust. It's going to form you spiritually. It's going to be, cause you to be less attached to the things of the world. And this is exactly what God wanted because he wanted them to be different than the world around them. And we see three tithes. Uh, most commentators and historians think there were about three tithes that were kind of addressed to the Israelites. And we're going to look at those really quickly and read some Old Testament here. The first tithe was the Levite tithe. The Levite tithe. Listen to Numbers 18, 23 through 26. But the Levites shall do the service of the tent of meeting. They shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout all your generations among the people of Israel. They shall have no inheritance. For the tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore, I have said of them, they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel. And the Lord, God, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Moreover, you shall speak and say to the Levites, When you take from the people of Israel the tithe that I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall present a contribution from it to the Lord, a tithe of a tithe. So this first tithe consisted of one-tenth of everything, right? A tithe, what, literally what it means. One-tenth of everything, their yearly produce, flocks, cattle, crops, etc., and this tithe went directly to the Levites, this group of people who were in charge of the temple. They were like kind of the, the worship leaders. They, did, they were kind of the center of all worship, life of worship in the context of the Israelite people. The, the Levites were con, in control of all that. And he wanted them to be taken care of um, out of the rest of Israel's um, kind of tithe. Right? And then God tells them, like with this tithe, we want you to tithe as well to be able to... Um, um, again, give back, because he's again trying to develop that in the Levites 
as well. Now, the second tithe is what is called a festival tithe. This, is the, this, this should be our favorite tithe. Um, the second tithe was called the festival tithe, and this is one-tenth of the nine-tenths that was left over. So again, it's a tithe, but it's one-tenth of what was left over, and this tithe was to be set apart to go for, for the festivals, to go up into Jerusalem and basically have a big party. He wanted God's people to set aside money to party, to remember what God had done, especially bringing them out of Egypt. And over and over, he says, remember me, remember me, and remember me. And a lot of this was done in the context of these festivals. There were three festivals every year. Listen to Deuteronomy 14, 22 through 27. It speaks to this. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your, your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe, when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses, to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money, and bind up the money in your hand, and to go to that place the Lord your God chooses, and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat it there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. And you shall not neglect a Levite who is with your, within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. Right? Such, a, such a, a, a generous God, right? He's looking out for our joy. He wants us to party. He's saying, remember, you may not set it aside later when you actually need it, but actually set this aside because you're going to need it to get to Jerusalem. You're going to need it to get to where I'm calling you to come for your party. You're going to need to do this. So set money aside for good food, good drink, to get there. All of those things, set it aside for these festivals. And then we have the third tithe, and this is called the charity tithe, or the tithe for the poor. And this was given every three years to support the Levites, widows, orphans, poor and other marginalized people. Like, listen to Deuteronomy 26, 12. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, which is the year of tithing, giving it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your towns and be filled. So there is another tithe for, so we see three tithes that come up consistently as God is kind of unpacking and giving structure to this group that is kind of forming into the Israelites after they leave Egypt. Okay, so when we, get the, when we hear the word tithe, when we hear that in church, if you grew up in church and hear the word tithe, this is what we should have in mind, right? Because this is where it comes from, these, these places in the Old Testament. And there's other ways that, they called, that God called the Israelites to be generous as well in the Old Testament. There was a census tax that they had to pay. It was like two days wages, and they had to pay it to keep the tabernacle, maintenance for the tabernacle, right? Um, every 50th year was called the year of Jubilee. Some of you may have heard of this, right? God commanded that all the prisoners and captives be set free, all the servants be released, all the deaths be forgiven, and all property be returned to its original owners. I mean, in addition, there were countless other commands um, to generously give to the poor and needy littered throughout the Old Testament, right? So they're, 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 this, was a, this was the tithe, but it also was just being a generous people, being a generous people um, every day as they lived their lives. So this word tithe can be misleading because we just think 10%. But the Old Testament seems to see it as much more. And most commentators, historians believe that it was an average Israelite was probably giving between 20 to 25% of their gross income to God's purposes um, surrounding Israel, the Israelite community there. So, once again, 
Why tithe? Why do we do this? Well, God doesn't need the money, right? God wants to shape and form Israel to treat the money and possessions that they have that he's given them different than the rest of the peoples around them. And what does the New Testament teach about tithe? Interesting, not very much, just about this idea of tithe in particular. Generosity, absolutely. We've already talked about how much Jesus talks about it. But the tithe, not so much. We have Jesus' parable of the talents, which is really the, the kind of the chief teaching of Jesus on investing and like really doing well with what God has given you. Um, he talks of ter- in terms of stewardship and sacrifice. Those elements are still there. Um, the widow, the, the widow's mite that she comes and gives, and he didn't praise her because she gave, she gave what she, she uh, the widow wasn't giving what she could. Like she didn't think this is what I can give. She just gave it all. She gave it way beyond what she should have and could have. This is why he focuses on her. And she goes, this is obedience. Follow this, follow this lady. She's doing it the right way. This is, Jesus makes a huge deal of this when she gives her little two coins. And we see in the book of Acts, if you just read and kind of look at the early church, you see kind of over and over throughout Acts, you see these places where the people that were, were saved and believed, they just started giving the money. Right? They started being a generous people once God showed up in their lives and the Holy Spirit produced that generosity in them. So again, the Old Testament, um, the tithe is primarily an Old Testament idea, um, and it's equally inspired by God as the New Testament. So we shouldn't just say, well, we need to forget about the tithe. I think it's a really good principle, and we should keep it in mind when we think about generosity. But the New Testament seems to say something different about money. Um, I mean, it's, 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 uh, whenever Jesus and the New Testament writers speak of money or wealth, it goes beyond kind of this certain number, this 10%. And so the principle that Jesus seems to want us to have, it seems to, to look at everything that we are given by God and say, it's all God's. Right? We start there. It's all God's. And then we ask the question, what should I or what should we keep to live on? Right? What, what do I need to live on and the rest is going out? Rather than, oh, what, what do I need to live on and maybe I can carve out a little piece of that pie for God? Right? It's flipped. Right? That's how the New Testament seems to think of money. He owns it. It is all his. Now, how, how does this happen? Right? How, how, does this, how, does this ha- how do people become the generous types? Because I know that I lean towards not doing that. Right? In my flesh, I am not like, just super open-handed with everything I have. I'm not. I need something from the outside to come inside me to change me, to form me to be a generous person. And Paul, in 2 Corinthians 8, gives us a a beautiful um, example of this. Um, 2 Corinthians 8, 7 through 9. Um, Yeah. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, he's talking to the church in Corinth here, in all earnestness and in our love for you. So you're, you're doing good things. You're doing really good things. See that you excel in this act of grace also. He's about to tell him. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And Bright read that passage to, to start off our time, and there, it gives more context to this, these three verses. She read the ones before, and he's actually trying to encourage the Corinthian church to be more generous. He's actually talking about the church in Thessalonica, and he's saying, hey, listen, did you hear what they did? And you all should do the same. Be encouraged. Be inspired by the example. And so when he says, you should also excel in this, that this is actually being generous. 
And then notice how he motivates them, though. He doesn't throw guilt trip. He doesn't show, you know, to be, to be a lot better. I'm going to count the numbers here. And to be a lot better than those Thessalonians, you need to hit X mark, right? And he didn't say, we're going to get the, the thermostat out and color it in so you can see it and, like, kind of feel good and bad each week about yourself. No. He goes to Jesus. He goes straight to Jesus to talk about how they could become generous enough to be like the Thessalonians, right? And this is, this is, this is like, Jesus was rich in everything. He has everything. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He takes on human flesh, comes into this broken, messed up world. He turns his back on the riches, becomes poor, lives a life that none of us could live. Perfect life that God demands all of us to live, but we can't live it. He did it. He became poor for our sake. And then he goes to the cross, suffering, suffering a horrible death for our sake. Again, continues to go poor, continues to go deeper and deeper into his poverty so that we might have a chance to become rich because we were in poverty spiritually. We were separated from God. We had no way of getting back to God relationally because of God's holiness and his perfection, and we're not. Jesus becomes poor so that we might have a chance to become rich. And then on the third day, he rises, and he, he's never been put in the grave again, and he's alive today. Showing that he conquered sin, Satan, and death. And we're given the Holy Spirit. And now we have the Holy Spirit inside of us to even help us be more generous people. Remembering the gospel and have the Holy Spirit inside of us empowering us. This is how we become generous people. This is how we remember the grace that we've been shown in Christ. And Paul's doing this beautifully. but He's taking the physical, the money. He's trying to motivate him to do something physically. Give, be more generous with your money. But he goes to the spiritual reality of the gospel to show us that how we became rich through Jesus' poverty. When he's the one that deserved to remain rich and we deserved our poverty because of our sinfulness. Yet Jesus flipped that. And we are the benefactors of that. And we should, that should pour over into our lives in, in regarding our wealth, regarding our possessions, regarding our money. So the Bible couldn't be clear in our, the connection between the gospel and being generous people. Right? We can hold the stuff that God has given us loosely. That's the goal, right? That's what the, the Holy Spirit wants to form in us. And he, Jesus gives us the model for sacrifice and how to give through the power of the Holy Spirit. And listen, I like this. In the next chapter, Paul tacks on this, and I love this. He's continuing the same thought in chapter 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. It's important. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. They say God loves, God is probably honored by a giver, but God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Again, Paul encouraging them, motivating them. Remember the gospel. Remember that God loves a, a, a generous person. He loves a cheerful giver. So what does this mean for us? How should we respond? Let's get more practical here. I think when we're talking about the tithe, the best way to look at this as the tithe is kind of the floor of our giving. It's like the floor of our giving. One author described the tithe as training wheels to help us get on the path of giving that we can begin to establish the skills and habits and mindset to be a gracious giver. 
right? Setting some guardrails in so our generosity, this heart that Paul's trying to develop in us, can catch up to our actions, right? Paul's saying, you know, the, the tithe is, is, is good wisdom. This is, what it, this is what this one author is saying. So if you're trying to decide here how much money to give to the church, start with 10%. That's a great place to start if you're, um, you haven't given before or you're not there yet. Give 10%. And then anything beyond that can go to other ministries, charities, whatnot, right? And Jesus says that um, I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is called his bride. Jesus cares about the church. And when Nicole and I have this conversation about money, this is kind of how um, we've tried to, to approach it intentionally. It always starts with we'd like to give more, right? We're looking at our budget. We're evaluating. It's, it always usually says, man, I wish we could give more. I wish we could give more. I wish we could give more to the church and wish we could give more to other people maybe outside the church who are doing like, gospel-oriented things, right, nonprofits, these types of things. And it's usually, and in the past, it, it has been, well, we just can't give more right now. God's going to have to give us more before we can give. That's one way to approach it. But over the last several years, we've tried to immediately not go there, but go a different direction. It means asking us, well, is there anywhere else that we are spending too much money? Is there anything else that we can cut? Is there anything else we can pull back in? Is there anything else we can tighten up to actually get to where we want to go in our giving? And that's, I think, the exercise God wants. Look, once again, looking at all of our stuff, it's all his. So we ask, how are we stewarding all of his money, all of the things he's given us? And then ask the question, how much can we give? And it may mean moving things around a little bit. And sometimes Nicole and I still can't make it work. But sometimes we can, just by a tiny, tiny bit saying, you know what? It's good discipline, right? It's something that may hurt. We may not like it. But you know, like saying no to this or less of this and putting that over into the, to the giving line in our budget, maybe that's the wise thing to do, which, again, may cost us something. So to give us some, some direction here, I think there are probably three types of people in this room, right? Um, there, there are those of you who, he, who are here at the church that are all in. You're all in with Providence Road. Maybe you're a member, maybe you're not. If you're not a member and you're all in with the church, please go through membership. We would love to have you be a member if you're all into the church. Right? But if you're here and you're all in, the simple charge to you is give. Give generously. Give generously. If you need to start with 10%, that's great. That's a good place to start. But give. Be a part of the church through giving. We encourage you to do that. And secondly, uh, there's, there's those in here maybe are on the peripheral of the church that you're here, you've been coming maybe for a little bit, but you're not sure about Providence Road yet. Um, my encouragement to you is not necessarily even to give. The first step is to get involved, to get involved, get to know one another, get to know other brothers and sisters. Maybe you need to have a conversation with leadership, right, to ask questions that you have about the church. Because the first step for you may not be giving, it might be just getting involved. Increasing your level of involvement a little bit so you can again, experience the benefits of being in community, like biblical community, but also be able to, to, to pitch into community as well using your gifts and talents and skills and time and all those things. And lastly, I mentioned, I spoke to you all earlier, but maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus. You're not, you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian. And my plea to you is the giving is way down the line for you. My plea to you is to believe the gospel. 
to believe Jesus, to put your faith in Jesus. We've, I've unpacked the gospel a minute ago. What you need to decide on right now today is will you believe? Will you believe in the person and work of Jesus? Will you believe that he took um, your sin upon himself, went to the cross, and died for sinful people like me, like other people in this room, to make a way for us to, to be reconciled to God the Father? That's your first step, to consider believing the gospel. It's not to give today. It's not to even probably think about giving. It's to believe the gospel. College students, I want to speak to you for a second. Um, we wouldn't have, I, when we planted Providence Road, we, 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 we really almost had to be in a college town. I wanted a church that looked like ours demographically in an age, age bracket. I love, we love having college students here. So I'm going to speak plainly with you. You may not think you have much money to give, and you're probably right, a lot of you, right? But it, it starts here. It starts where you're at. So I would ask, what can you give? Don't think of the amount. The amount's not important probably for you right now. It's the consistency of giving just a little bit over the course of being in college. And then when you get out, God willing, you get a job, you get that first paycheck, the habit's there. It's ingrained in you. You've had to say, maybe, maybe for you, it's giving you know, that $20 a month you give or, heck, $5 a month. When you say no to whatever that $5 thing you wanted is, that's a little sacrifice, and I'm not making light of that. And then down the road, you may have to make bigger sacrifices to give more money away. But that, that muscle, that habit has already started. I think if you don't start practicing that now, it will be harder to start that later in your walk with Jesus. And I'll say this again, college students with parents at home that love that you're at Providence Road, um, I know Man, it seems like it could be here tomorrow, I guess. But 10 or 11 years from now, we're going to send Jack's baby off to college, maybe. And I know one of the most important things for me as a father, if Jax leaves our city, is he needs to be in a church that loves Jesus, preaches the gospel, teaches the word. Like, I want that more than anything. And I'm guessing some of your parents, some of you who are college students, your parents love the fact that you're at Providence Road. Go ask him. Go ask them. Go ask them if they have anything left over to give, potentially, to Providence Road. Maybe they're so thankful that you found Providence Road and, and they've benefited as you've benefited from being here at the church. So, again, next steps. If you're here and you want to give more, and that's usually most of us. Right? Every time Nicole and I sit down to do this, we, we feel convicted that we need to give more. We always do. Um, but maybe you need some help. Maybe you're just stuck. And I don't want, to just, this is, I don't want this to just be shame and guilt that, that, that is like heaped upon you. I want you to get help with this. That's what the, the, the church is for. Maybe you've never learned how to set a budget. Maybe you don't know how to get out of debt, and it's just a, it's just a weight around your neck that you can't get out of. Um, maybe you just never thought about giving and how much and how that even works. Um, whatever it is that's keeping you from giving, and this, I think, is why Jesus talked about so much. It's probably also getting in the way of you experiencing freedom and joy in Jesus, more than likely. Debt, I guarantee you it'll affect your freedom and joy in Jesus. Um, not knowing where your money's going and just being chaotic with your budget probably will affect your freedom and joy in Jesus. So deal with it. Get some help. Talk about it. Like, we don't want there to be shame about talking about money here at the church. We just can't. We need to help people. We need, to, we need to figure out how to help one another be financially healthy and be able to give money um, away and experience that freedom and joy in other areas of our life that money sometimes gets in the way of. There are plenty of people in this church. 
I can think of probably 10 off the top of my head right now that would love, that are good at this and would love to sit down and help you. How do you do a budget? So many people could help you do that in the church. How do we get out of debt? So many people I could connect you with to get you out of debt. And there's other things that may keep you, uh, keep you from giving. I get help with this. I promise you it's worth it. And there is absolutely zero shame in asking for help. There's the, the people in this church that are really, really good at finances and money, I guarantee if you ask them, at some point in their life, there was somebody who pulled them aside. Maybe it was their mom and dad. Maybe it was an older brother, sister in Christ, whatever, that showed them this is how you do it. This is how you do it. Nobody just wakes up and is born being really good with money. I don't believe that. It's hard work. And usually you're having to get help doing that. So please get help. Talk to me. Talk to one of the other pastors. Grab your gospel community leader and have them. But I, I promise you, I can get you connected, and it doesn't have to be this big, ma- big massive deal. Right? Just get help doing this. We would love to help you do that. As a part of this, um, it's at the end of the year. We probably won't get a chance to do this again before the end of the year. I want to just celebrate and look back. Because part of these festivals that, that uh, God had the Israelites do was so they could remember what God has done. Keeps them humble, right? This wasn't, we didn't pull ourselves up out of Egypt. Right? You didn't save yourself from Pharaoh, God says. I want you to remember that I did that. And I want you to celebrate like crazy when I've done something. It glorifies him, it keeps us humble, and it's a really good thing. So here's some things, just looking back over the last, really, year um, that uh, we've seen happen at Providence. These are just big things. Right? There's so many other little things that I'm not men- mentioning. Um, we became a self-sustaining church in 2021. Here's what I mean by that. For the first 11 or 12 years of our existence, we relied heavily on other churches, other people to do what we're called to do. And that money slowly tapered off. And then in 2021, we finally got to this place last year where we're a self-sustaining church, which is a really important step for a church to get to. And now we can be the benefactors to actually be that kind of church for other churches. And we love being there. It's kind of a sign of stability. Um, I was talking to Nicole a little bit about the Women's Night of Thanks a couple of nights ago. And one of the common things she said kept coming up is how well, at least the ladies, and I trust the men can say this too, how well that, that y'all have felt cared for uh, at Providence Road. And it didn't have a lot to do with pastors, right? It was each other. And I'm so happy about that. It's not, I think it's in our culture now. It's something God has hardwired into our culture. It's not pastors doing all the work. It's brothers and sisters in Christ caring for one another well. And those are a lot of small little graces that we see all the time. And I just don't want to forget that when we f- reflect back over the last year. We've had, we baptized 20 people in the last 14 months, which is really, really good. Some stat that we got, Jay got from somewhere was like that puts us in like the top like 5% or maybe even higher than that of all percentage of members, attenders-wise, of all um, at least Baptist churches in Oklahoma, right? That amount of baptisms puts us way, way high in that. And, that. and again, we're not taking any credit for that. That's all God doing that, but God is doing something here. We celebrated our 10-year anniversary with a massive party. We tried to model um, the festivals that God called them to um, in the spring. I believe we did that. And uh, we heard plenty of stories there. You can go back and still find those stories online. And then uh, one that kind of goes under the radar, and maybe you didn't know this, but 36 people have become members of the church this past year. And by the end of the year, that should be around 40. 40 people becoming new members of Providence Road in 2021. Right? That's, that's awesome. This is, this is just a tiny piece of what God's doing in our church. And moving forward, really quickly, here's a few things that we're doing. We've, you've heard a lot about global mission. 
This is where kind of the money that you give, this is what a lot of it goes to, global mission. You've heard it. It's going to keep coming. We've, God's just opening door after door after door. We keep walking through them, and there's going to be more opportunities to give for the church to give coming up. Um, we heard all about the work with vulnerable children and families last week. That's just starting. That's going to hit kind of a tipping point where I think we're going to get a lot more opportunities to give as a church to that. Um, we're hiring our first ever youth director, probably hiring our first ever youth director um, this coming year. Um, we've never had a youth director at, on staff as a church. We've had really good leadership around the youth for the past two or three years. But he's going to come in, and we realize being a church in Norman, Oklahoma, there's, there's thousands of kids in the 11 to 18-year-old window that we want to go after, that we want to reach. We want to disciple our own kids, but we also want to see new kids come into the church. We feel like we need, we're 12 years into this thing as a church, we need to have somebody on staff that we're paying to connect with that particular age group. Um, and lastly, we um, or have this uh, seminar on parenting um, that you're going to hear about coming up early next year, seminar on parenting, um, to help our, we have a lot of young families, and this, this, this uh, seminar is going to be aimed at, at young families um, to be able to help us raise um, our kids um, and just in, in help um, the, church, the church coming alongside equipping you all to help raise your kids. So where we're at as a church, we're really, we've, we stabilized. Like I mentioned, last couple years, I feel like we stabilized, and now we, we're, we're, we're in a really good spot. We're also looking to, to ahead. We have big dreams, big vision. We have things that God's opening the door for, and we want to be able to walk through them, which is, again, one of the reasons why we're saying those of you who are giving faithfully, continue to give faithfully. This is what the, the, your money's going to. Those, those who maybe need, we want to challenge you to give more. If you're not at that 10% level, or if you're at that 10% level, maybe start asking, well, what does it look like to go above and beyond 10%? So here's some next steps to process. Um, I think this is a process of, I would say, maturity. So again, another kind of question, uh, reflection point for you all. Um, I think we start off, and we're all, we're all here, I think, when we start off in our faith. Um, it's all mine, right? All I have is mine. There's a lot of reasons for that, like lack of biblical understanding of, of giving. You just don't think about it, never been discipled well into that. That's maybe where some of you are. I encourage you to take the next step, which is God gets some, at least. And that, that number in our minds, a lot of us, if we grew up in church, is 10%. Once again, not a bad place to start. If you have to, start there. Um, but it's not the, definitely not the end goal of maturity, especially the way the New Testament speaks about it. And then third, um, you kind of get to this point where it's, it, it's all God's. And how much should I keep? And that's not just kind of lip service. It's actually, that's how we handle our budget. It's how we make big financial decisions. It's how we walk through things as a family or as a couple. And that is really, really hard. Like I mentioned earlier, like Nicole and I, we're somewhere probably between two and three, depending on the season of life we're in. And whether we feel financially strapped, we tend to want to go back into that, that, that second level if we feel stressed out about finances instead of going moving into that third level with trust and openness. So here's some questions. These are takeaways for us. Um, really, this is the, the application. So two questions to ask yourself. Where am I at now? Just take an honest assessment where you are now as far as maybe what you believe, what the scripture says about giving, where you're at giving now. Look at the budget. Again, if that, if that even like saying look at your budget, if that kind of stresses you out, me telling you to do that, get some help. Get some help on actually figuring out how to do a budget. And then number two, what would be the next steps? What would be the next step? So what's the next step, I should say? Just take one next step, maybe over the next month, um, two months, and say, what are the next steps for me to be able to, um, uh, whatever that is in that process, um, 
give more or start giving or whatever it is. How to, how to do this, um, if you need some context, pray about it. Please go home and pray. Two, talk, it, talk about it with your spouse if you're married. Y'all start talking about it. Don't be afraid of it. It's okay. It's okay if you're not good at it right now or if y'all are in major, major debt. It's reality, so let's be honest about where we're at. But talk about it and talk about maybe what your next steps. Process these two questions in the context of a marriage. College students, roommates, be open and honest with your roommates about this. Maybe y'all can challenge each other. Maybe y'all can do the thermostat in your, 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 the eight of you who are living in a house. Like, y'all compete who can give the most. I don't know. Like, make it a game, right? Have some crazy punishment if you're last. That's really bad. Sorry. Sorry. That's, that's really by the law. I'm going back into my college days, what I would have done. But that's probably not gospel-centered giving doing that. <laughs> Encourage one another, college guys, I'm thinking, right? Encourage one another in the gospel to give more. Number three, talk about it with your GC, right? Be open. Maybe it's not your whole GC community there, but grab another couple or two. Start having conversations. These are the people who are walking through life with you, hopefully. And they're able to speak in in different ways. Let's not make money this taboo subject where we just can't talk about it all. Or we got to be protectful, protecting or shameful or whatever. Let's just trust that God has given it all to you, whether you, maybe some of you have more than others. Again, that's, that's, that's God's deal, right? But we can all grow in this understanding that it is God's money, his wealth, and he gives it to us to steward. And we're going to move into communion here in a second. And I want us, when we take communion, to go back to that 2 Corinthians 8 passage where Paul points us to Jesus. Because I, I don't want you to leave here feeling like Jeremy or Providence Roads, like we're the ones like forcing you to give. We're challenging you from the word, definitely. But I want you to be motivated internally by the grace and mercy of God found in Jesus. So when we go to the, when we go to the communion here in a moment, I want you to think about how gracious and merciful and generous Jesus was to you when you were poor and bankrupt spiritually and dead spiritually, how much grace and love he showed you in those moments. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I'm so thankful that in a topic like money and finances and wealth and all these things, I, I'm thankful that you're, you're fairly clear in your word what, um, what you, how you feel about these topics. And you're, you are clear about that you're calling us to be a generous people, an open-handed people, a people that money and the pursuit of money and wealth just for the sake of being richer, that, 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 that doesn't get our claws in us. And those are sharp claws that they get inside of us. And you want us to be free of that. You want us to be free of debt. You want us to be free of, of, of not really knowing where your, our money's going. So help us as we try. We're, all of us probably in this room have places we can grow when it comes to this. So help us. Meet us there. If we need to be comforted in this moment, moment, please comfort us. If we need to be challenged in this moment through the Spirit, challenge us. Help us, Lord. Amen.